break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back with you here on The Punch-Out, 28th of June, 2022. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. Got plenty for you here on the show. In fact, we're going to be talking about the island nation of Grenada. Some interesting election activity there. But before we get to that very important story, we want to talk about Haiti and the ongoing search for a solution out of the current political, economic, and social impasse. Those were the sounds of huge crowds gathered in Haiti in front of the home of former President Jean-Bertrand Aristide, victim of a U.S.-instigated coup in 2004. The demonstrators brought together by the political party founded by Aristide Fanmi Lavalas were calling on the former leader to take up a role in leading some sort of transitional process that can lead Haiti out of the current political, economic, and social crisis in which it finds itself. Rumors have been flying about Aristide's role for a few weeks now, as the former president has taken meetings with a range of civil society forces and current de facto Prime Minister Ariel Henry, who, interestingly enough, played a major role in the 2004 coup against Aristide. Some rumors even have it that the United States, which supported that coup and a prior coup against Aristide in the 1990s, has approached the former president, who started off as a rural parish priest, to take the lead role in a transitional process. How likely any of this is is totally unknown, but without a doubt, Aristide maintains a significant amount of support among the popular masses of Haiti and certainly would have a much broader base of support than the current so-called prime minister, Ariel Henry. The speculation around a new role for Aristide is rooted in the clear impasse the country finds itself in. The broader situation in the country continues to deteriorate, with routine shortages of gas and electricity, among other things, spiraling poverty and significant deterioration of public security. The latter issue around public safety has been on full display in June as non-state armed groups have seized control over the Palace of Justice, which is one of the main courts in Haiti, multiple times and essentially held the administration of justice hostage, as well as physically damaging the building and in one case making off with some vehicles. They did this apparently with complete impunity, and given that these events happened in daylight hours, many have argued that the events may have taken place with the connivance of government officials working with some of these armed groups. The newspaper Haiti Liberté reported that the same group also hijacked two buses on the same weekend. In a similar vein, the Haitian Popular Press Agency reported that in Tabar and Petonville, armed groups conducted blockades and violent acts to prevent ninth grade students from attending national exams in retaliation for what those armed groups in question claim was an attack on them by the police. 
The issue of armed groups and violence has come increasingly into focus during Henri's reign as PM, which began shortly after the previous de facto president was assassinated, some say with the connivance of Henri, and as more and more of Haiti seems to be controlled by various non-state actors rather than by the government itself. Many of these groups are clearly criminal gangs of bandits, although some of them do claim to be acting out of a broader social agenda. Many of these groups have murky ties to the police, former police officers, and current and former government officials. This has led many to suggest these armed groups are not simply the result of a collapsing state, but a deliberate strategy being used to manipulate power and use fear and terror to intimidate the popular mass movement. Either way, it's clear that an already weak state is increasingly less present and is only really semi-governing in any real sense. Internally, varying forces are trying to find a way to power or hold power. On the one hand, you have the current de facto Prime Minister Ariel Henry. Henry was brought to power by U.S. pressure in the immediate aftermath of the assassination of former President Jovenel Moise. Henry has no mandate of any sort, and his assumption of the PM's office is a continuation of Jovenel's PHTK party regime, which had already been ruling Haiti by decree for over a year after dissolving all democratic organs. Henri has cobbled together a coalition of sorts that even won over the democratic and popular sector, which had played a significant role in the popular opposition to former President Moise and also Senator Moise John Charles, who has a reputation as a progressive with ties to Venezuela. However, it's become clear these forces don't represent much of a social base at all and have been totally unable to move the needle in terms of finding a political resolution. The main opposition to Henri, in an organized sense, is the Montana Accord, a large group with a number of civil society, political and religious organizations being a part of it, and many of them represent traditional Haitian political elites, as well as grassroots groups. They have negotiated with Henri, but nothing has come out of it because their transitional plan essentially displaces him and replaces Henri with their own leaders of the Montana Accord. The Accord has also failed to keep its original coalition together with elements of Haiti's socialist movement, which was at the center of mass mobilizations throughout 2021, breaking from the Accord, noting that they were more interested in just rearranging the deck chairs than bringing fundamental change to Haiti. The Accord has also failed to come to terms with Lavalas, which is keeping its own council and has its own transition plan. Socialists and other radical organizations are describing most of the negotiating proposals emanating from Henri, the Accord, and the U.S.-Canada-EU-UN coalition, the core group, as simply a sham, and continue to intensify their efforts to bring new energy to the popular uprising that seemed on the verge of bringing down Jovenel before his assassination. Others in the political realm continue to posture as well, including former Haitian Senator Yuri Latortou, a right-wing figure who even the U.S. called, quote, the most brazenly corrupt, end quote, of Haitian politicians. And La Tortue has been mobilizing members of his own political party against Henri this month to show some strength. Ultimately, it seems clear that Henri, the Montana Accord, and people like La Tortue are all vying for the favor of the core group countries, particularly the United States. These regional and international actors are the ultimate authority in Haiti, and they always work to make sure the Haitian government is amenable to an agenda that preserves the country as a low-wage work preserve and agricultural export hub for Western nations. Currently, this so-called international community seems somewhat divided. Most players claim they want to work for a quote-unquote Haitian solution, but there are clearly other voices rising. The Washington Post editorial board, which has close ties to the security establishment in D.C., has been calling for a military occupation of Haiti for many months now. The president of the Dominican Republic also called for some form of intervention at the Summit of the Americas, and at various times Henri himself seems to be angling for some form of trusteeship. 
Clearly, however, after the last UN-led occupation turned into a total debacle, there seemed to be cold feet from anyone with the troops to accomplish such a thing. And the reason that occupation failed was clear. It did nothing to resolve the fundamental realities causing the social and economic problems in Haiti. And ultimately, the political problems are a reflection of the fact that a political elite has been imposed on the Haitian people by these core group countries in order to maintain these social and economic policies that cause so much turmoil in Haiti. Nothing short of a total overhaul of the enforced poverty economy could address these issues. But that would require displacing the entire political elite just mentioned that survives by selling its own country to international interests. Most forces in the region and in the rich nations do not want to do this as they either benefit from or don't want to upset those who benefit from this state of affairs and simply try to promote various actors at various times to resolve an impasse in Haiti without dealing with the root causes, hence the long-running instability and inequality in the country. Where things go from here is not entirely clear, but it seems that for now there is an impasse that will be very hard to break without another mass intervention from a huge mass movement of people, which is something that has upended the political scene in Haiti multiple times since the 1980s. In other and more positive Caribbean news, the island nation of Grenada held elections this past weekend, bringing to power the National Democratic Congress and its leader, Dick and Mitchell. The election was particularly notable as it saw off outgoing Prime Minister Keith Mitchell and his new national party, which had been in power since 1995, and who had called snap elections this year after winning all 15 seats in Parliament's lower house in the last election in 2018. Grenada is a member of the ALBA-TCP Alliance of Latin American and Caribbean Countries that is centered on the Cuba-Venezuela axis, but includes a number of the smaller islands like Dominica, St. Vincent's and the Grenadines, St. Lucia, and St. Kitts. Dick and Mitchell and his NDC party are a center-left party that is in line with the policies of most of the more left-leaning ALBA governments. The NDC manifesto, titled Transforming Grenada, includes a call to eradicate poverty. The NDC is also promising to build a large new teaching hospital, build hundreds of homes for working-class people, raise the minimum wage, guarantee free education up to community college, provide free Wi-Fi to all parts of the island, and they are pledging also to tackle the very high 40% unemployment that exists in Grenada by expanding agriculture, growing the cannabis industry, as well as investing more in information technology and tourism, and also improving infrastructure. Grenada, like many of the smaller Caribbean islands, is leaning closer to the region's more left-leaning governments who are willing to provide significant support for social and economic goals without strings or interventions. Notably, the NDC is calling for more regional integration as well. In the midst of many challenges from climate change to poverty, it seems that the countries in the ALBA alliance, often derided as undemocratic communist dictatorships here in the United States, are charting a path that recognizes the needs of people as much, if not more, than the rights of profit makers. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 